Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. ahead and stand for the reading of this word. <clears throat> Bear with me. It's a little bit, it's a full chapter. I, I thought about just pulling out one, one verse, but I just, I'm in love with this, this chapter. I, I, I used it this morning and I'm just going to, uh, it's Palm Sunday and uh, we need to have a greater understanding of what Palm Sunday is about. Isaiah 53 Verse 1, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. He is rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with those stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb so he openeth not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death he, because he hath done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise that word to bruise is daka and it means to break please the Lord to break him he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors that chapter is a, I know it's a long chapter, but I, 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 I don't want to pull and 
cherry pick out of it today. I just wanted to read it all together because it's so so poignant. We 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 discuss who we're talking about today in that in that chapter. My title to today is the broken and the broken. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me today. And I'm going to ask you to um, just do me a favor in prayer. Pray that God truly speaks to you. Not not say, man, this word would be great for somebody else. <laughs> I wish so-and-so was here. They would love this is something. No, I need this word for me today. Amen. This pastor needs this word today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. Dear God, help me. God, work in me. God, let your word pierce me today. Revive, O oh God, an understanding and a revelation of who you are and what you've done for me. What you've done for me, not just my church, not, not my city, not this community, not my, not my nation, not my world. I'm, I'm bringing it to me, God. I thank you, Lord, what you've done for me. God, I pray, help me. Help me, Lord, to convey the word you've laid on my heart today. God, help me to communicate it, God, and plant a seed, Lord, in, in a soil that will take root. Help me today. Bless us today. God, we give you praise. Would you right now, church, raise your arms like, like just out of worship, palm fronds in the air, begin to wave them in the, in the sky. Would you, would you go ahead and maybe shout Hosanna in the highest a little bit? Would you go ahead and worship him? He's a, he's a worthy God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, here's my praise and here's my worship. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hosanna and the highest. Hallelujah. There's no one like you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you. We give you our all today. In your name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. <clears throat> praise God praise God you may be seated in Jesus name Palm Sunday is the kickoff week of what many will call Holy Week I'm always taken back by the power of, of this week and taken back by how, how, how short of a week it is and what, what happens within this week. And every single day has a, a powerful message in itself. I don't want to spend a ton of time breaking down every day of the week that, that really brought him to the end of the week, which is what we know as Calvary. I really just want to kind of emphasize Calvary for a bit right now. Ever since the moment, I truly believe that this word of God that I have right here in my hand is a, is a book on redemption. It's a book on restoration. It's a book where a, where a man who, who was it was just born out of the breath of God, made a mistake, a sin that kicked him out of, out of promise and kicked him out of security. And ever since then, the story begins of a broken humanity and how that humanity tries to make right with God. All through the Old Testament, book after book, you read, you see, you see how God constantly reaches and constantly has his hand, a, a bloodline almost pouring through generation to generation of, of, of hoping to have a stronger and deeper 
deeper relationship. You see all through Genesis and the first five books of the Bible how those, those forefathers of the faith, how they cling to God, how they begin to make a connection and a, uh, a deep-seated you know, commune with him and wanting to be in such a, a way where they, it was their identity, that they were the people of God. And they wanted relationship. And that relationship was based on time. It was based on sacrifice. It was based on, on the reach, on the equivalent reach of the people. Just like our youth pastors talked about how you have to draw nigh to God first for him to draw nigh to you. You have to make those steps back to God. We, we have to have a relationship with him. You see that all through scripture, how even when, when God spoke to Moses and gave him the tabernacle plan, you see that plan, that blueprint, it was formed. And from the sky, you can see it. From hovering over a bird's eye view, you can see the formation of a cross. It's always been about the cross. It's always been about connecting him to you through the cross. That's what Calvary means. It means the death. It means the burial. It means the resurrection. It's this moment that you see God decides to reach to us, us sinners, no good doers, flesh, the divine wanting to reach to each and every one of us. That's what Calvary is. The Old Testament's filled of a, of a way to approach uh, God with, with our sins and our wrongs and, and unload them and, and, and get them off our backs and get them off our eternity. And as through a blood sacrifice, you had to, the only way you can be saved is through the blood. He had something had to die. And as he would bring it to the priest and to be able to put on the altar, that blood would flow from the altar to the labor through the door, through the candlesticks, through the table of showbread, to the altar of incense, and right through back into the Holy of Holies where the blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Then and only then atonement would be made. What a process! What a process they had to go through. But time is like anything else. It just gets uglier and uglier. It gets more difficult. The, the, uh, the approach and the strength and the, and the sacrifice, not just to bring a sacrifice, but to raise a sacrifice, became more and more difficult. People stopped giving their best. People stopped giving their the, 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 the set-apart and set-aside things for God. And sin began to go rampant and more rampant. So much so that the line to get the, through the atonement just went out, went out of the tent. It went down the road. It was so far removed that they said within themselves, well, what's the point anyway? I might as well live this earthly, worldly life I'm in. They began to take on idols. They began to take on wrongs and sins and all those things that come with it. And because of that, we have an almighty God that, that, that views us and desires still to have relationship. But he allowed the people to go into captivity after captivity after captivity as punishment because they would not reach for God, yeah, yeah. would not be obedient. But God decided <laughs> sometimes you've got to do things yourself. Sometimes you've got, you can't put things off on somebody else. Sometimes you just have to, if you want it done right, you've got to do it yourself. And so he became like nobody else. 
He became a God who becomes man. Philippians 2, 6, I love the way it says it this way, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and made in the likeness of men and being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul would talk to the Galatians in 6, I'm sorry, 3.13, saying, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. We have a God who decided to become so much less. He became a man. Then he became a man who also is identified as a curse. A cursed man, a man who has every, every single iniquity on his shoulder, every single weight on his life. He, he decided to become that curse for you and me. Paul would write to the Romans in 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, my God, Christ died for us. He didn't do this. He didn't become a form of a man. He didn't belittle himself and humble himself from his divine divine throne to be small and insignificant and then, and then put on the form of a curse. Oh God, he didn't do that for, for the proud. He didn't do that for, for the best of the best. He didn't do that for Patty Pentecostal or he didn't do that for the Holy Ghost filled. No, he did it for the world of the worst every sinner every ugly sin every shameful thing every child molester every rapist every 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 vile evil thing that you can imagine that comes to your mind every sin and shame you deal with everything wrong and ugly in this world God says I'm coming to die for that wow 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 I'm taking back by a God who would who would do that for me Wow. Paul would probably write in Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. But this is what Calvary is about. It's about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross what you're joyful you're excited oh to endure the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God Peter would say this in 1 Peter 2 and 24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed for we were as sheep gone astray but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your soul that's what Calvary it's about it's about getting you back 
to him. It's about pulling you into him. It's about saying no more to this flesh and yes to righteousness. Amen. That's what he did. That's what Calvary is all about. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.17 For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. It is, it is, it is ministry's duty to talk about the gospel and the gospel is the good news and the good news is this that there is a savior who lived who walked who breathed who died who, who, who was buried and who rose again that's what the gospel is about calvary should be on the lips of every minister calvary should be the thing the forefront of every ministry in this world I'm not here just to baptize, but talk about Calvary. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross, get this, is to them that perish foolishness, but to us, oh, it is, it is so different. To us which are saved, it is the power of God. Can I tell you, Calvary has powered us. Oh, man. Calvary is power to us. Oh, I'm going to say it. Hopefully someone gets it. Calvary is power to us. How? Because I'm a sinner. And my sin has a wage that is death. And my death does not breathe on and on. My death is eternal. My death is damnation. But when Calvary is applied, it is the power of God. It saves me. It changes me. It remakes me. It's different. Oh, I hope someone can get this in their spirit today. I hope someone can understand what I'm trying to convey to you. Everybody in here needs Calvary. No one is except from Calvary. You may be a sinner. You may be an atheist in here fighting it and saying, I don't believe in it. It doesn't matter. God died for you. Still don't matter. God loves you. Take him or leave him. He still died for you. You can't even stop his, you know, your belief, your lack of belief can't stop his goodness or his grace. My God, that's the type of people I'm talking about. A world, not just 6911 North Trenum Road, Athens' church. No, I'm talking about everybody. He died for everybody. Calvary. A sin debt was paid. A debt that every man owed. A debt that lingered. You want to talk about the frustration of bills. Oh man, I hate my mailbox. Oh, I've told you this over and over. I'm thinking about removing it altogether. Because I get things. I keep getting debt in there and I have to pay it off. And It's a frustration. But man, could you understand this? That the day you were born, the day you came into this earth, you were handed a bill of debt. You didn't do anything yet. <laughs> you haven't even dirtied your first diaper yet. That's a, that's a big death debt right there. You, you haven't messed anything up. You can't even put words together. All you do is cry and reach for hunger 
to be filled. But yet you have a debt on your life that is going to send you to hell. Wow. That's what it is. That's what we had. That curse. But that's what Calvary is about. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he said a statement. It is finished. Oh, he hung his head. And he died. And that Greek word, teleo, it means it is finished. But it is a common banking term in their day. That that that, that banker kind of imagine would have a it is finished, a teleo stamp on your mortgage and on your loan when you would pay that final payment. It is finished. That's what it means. It was common in that day. And when Jesus decided to use that word, Taleo, he was saying, your debt is paid. It's done. That's what Calvary is about. I've paid it all. My blood will be the, will the, will be the blood that will do it all. My blood is the sinless blood. My blood knew no wrong. My walk in life knew no sin. I am the spotless lamb for a great people. Calvary is that death, is that burial. Paul, he would say this in 1 Corinthians 15 and 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Get this, he's going to give what he first received. Man, I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to get. You, you, the first thing you ever got to get is Calvary in you. Amen. I talked about teaching Bible studies in my uh, adult lesson. And I talked about, you, you know, reaching for the lost. Before you ever give a Bible study to somebody, you first have to get Calvary. You can't teach anybody what you don't know. Oh, you can't teach anybody what you haven't experienced. You first, look what he says. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He defines what that Calvary is all about. We can all experience Calvary to death today. We first have to die. Dying is repenting. It's, it's that decision to say, my sin isn't going to live no more. Yes. My wrong is not going to live anymore. My, my addiction, it's the, it's the decision. It ain't the power. Get me, let me, oh man. Hear me, hear me, hear me. You are, you are messing with repentance and making repentance something that it's not. You think repentance is the, is the power, the willpower, the strength, and the control to stop doing something. It is not. You don't have that. You don't have that ability. You don't have that control or strength. You are not God. But you have a decision to make. That I don't want this to be me. I don't want this sin to dwell in me. I don't want to wake up feeling this way. I don't want to be addicted to these things. And therefore, I am sorry, God. I am sorry. The decision of sorry is what repentance is. But that's the walking away from things is how repentance lives. Oh, 
you've got to let repentance live in us. That's what it means to die out to the cross. It means to death. That's what death is. You're, you're killing that old person, that old man you used to be, that old flesh. You're killing this thing. But then you walk yourself to a burial. You get into a watery grave and you believe with everything in you as the man of God dunks me in the water and says the name of Jesus over my life. I am buried with him. Every sin is washed away. Every wrong I've done is forgiven. I am a new creature in him. I'm brand new. I'm brand new. But it ain't over. It ain't over until God fills you with the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you that there are some people who do not understand a strong truth is that you cannot just come up here and accept Jesus as your personal pan Savior. You can't do that. You can't just say, that's it, I'm good. You can't just wear a t-shirt that says, born, born again, and that's it. You, you, that's not salvation. That's not it. It's about saying, God, forgive me, and God, I'm not go this way no more. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to be obedient to the death. I'm going to be obedient to the burial and I'm going to be obedient to your resurrection. There again this is something you can't do. You cannot raise yourself up from the dead. Not, not in your ability, not in your power. So stop saying that it is. Stop believing that it is. Allow it to be God. Let me just also say this. Don't beat yourself up because you haven't been resurrected yet. So that's, that's a problem. We emphasize too much just one portion of the Holy Ghost. We emphasize just the speaking in tongues more than anything. And we beat ourselves up and we walk away from, 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 from altars that are soaked in our tears because I didn't get a chance to speak in tongues. And you say, I can't do it. Yeah, no duh, you can't do it. You never could do it. Get that. Understand that this isn't me doing it. It is God doing it. It's God doing it through me. It's God who's the one who I've submitted myself and trusted him. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't care how I sound. I don't, I don't. If more of us could come up here and not worry about how they sound, how they look, how they're perceived. My God, Lord, fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the benefits of Calvary. That's what he was talking about in that text. This Calvary was paid, though. It was all paid by his brokenness. Isaiah 53 and 10, I take you back to this one verse. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I repeat to you that word, daka, in the original text, that original Hebrew, it means to break. It pl please, there's a difference. I, I, if you want me to, I can show you a difference between a bruise and a break. <sighs> no volunteers, okay. Just trust me on it. There is a, there's a vast difference between bruised. I've been punched in the arm by, by friends. 
<laughs> you know, happy to see me. I, my, my, my old pastor used to, oh, he's not my old pastor. Well, he's an older guy. I guess he could, could, I guess I can call him an old pastor, but he is my pastor. But Rod Pamer, my, my dad knows about him and, and Bishop, but Rod Pamer was, is my, who I also consider my pastor. He's a bishop now. He would always come up, and my dad would remember this, and punch you right in the arm. I'd be like, oh, dear God. And I'd go home and be taking my shirt off or whatever, but like, why is my arm hurt? And there'd be a bruise there the next day. He left a mark all the time. And you got to understand, my pastor was a skinny kind of, he was bony. He was just a bony, almost like a piercing, almost kind of punch. And, and yes, I have a bruise for a couple days. Yes, it's sore for a couple days, but I move on. That's not what happened to Jesus. Jesus didn't get beat up and then kept on living. No, he got broken. Right. Broken. Right. And it pleased the Lord to break him. It was, it was the will of God for him to be the broken. Today, we celebrate and worship together Palm Sunday. We understand Palm Sunday to be such a, a beautiful thing. But I want to I want to read. I want to read each gospel talks about this moment, but I want to specifically focus on 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 that road to Calvary and what it looked like. In Mark 11 verse 1, let's look there. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto him, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. Verse 4. And they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. And a certain of them that stood there said unto them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they said unto him, as Jesus had commanded, and they said, they let them go. Our master has need of him. Okay, take it. What an incredible moment to me right there. How many of you have ever had someone knock on your door to take your vehicle, and you said, I don't know who you are, but go ahead and take it? Nobody. But there was something there that was in prophecy. And he, they took it. Let's get back into it. And they said unto them that even as, verse 6, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. 7, and they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And Jesus entered in Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the evening tide was come, and he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. See, I love Palm Sunday. I love the worship. I love that in, in, my, in my honest opinion, all scripture everywhere, this Palm Sunday, that text right there that shows his what they call Jesus' what? Triumphal entry. That moment is the really the first time he's ever recognized and really treated and worshipped as the true king. People know his reputation. People have heard of his exploits. People understand. Many are there in that same crowd who've been fed in that Sermon on the Mount. They understand who he is. They, 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 they know who he is. And they begin to take off their garments even and throw them down in the road and take off the, the palm branches, the branches everywhere they could and strung them together as a road for him that dust wouldn't even come up and, and set upon his life. What a powerful picture. What a powerful moment where people, when, the, when people truly worship Jesus as God. Wow. When people really love a king and said, you're my Lord, you're my keeper. Hosanna in the highest. When people really get that in their soul and their spirit and say, I'm going to worship you because you're here in front of me. But today, my emphasis is not on the palm branches. My emphasis is not on the garments that were thrown down on the, on the dirt floor. My emphasis is not on the screaming of Hosanna. That's not the thing that bewilders me today. What bewilders me is the cult. That cult, by definition, is a young horse, mule, donkey under the age of four years. What makes a horse or a mule or any one of those animals considered to be a stallion is simply year five. <laughs> year five, you're called a stallion. Year four, you're called a colt. That's the difference there in those age. This cult here, as we just read about, was, was there, just sitting there and waiting. Why is, why is it so important? What's the big deal? Because if you search prophecy, prophecy will really accentuate some of the most important things in Scripture. I read to you the prophecy in Isaiah 53 of the broken servant. Jesus as we know him today because we have understanding and revelation. But also prophecy would speak about him in Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. I'm focusing on the relationship between the cult and the Christ today on Palm Sunday. I want us to understand in order to ride a colt, it must first be broken. The goal is to try to teach the animal to accept haltering and walking and following basic commands. Most equestrians that consider a horse broke, it, it, it's safe to ride and, and, and okay to put somebody on. Takes takes a, between 40 to 60 days. 
there's an individual who I kind of follow. His name is Clay Newcomb. If you may know his name, if you're into hunting and outdoors, out, outdoorsman stuff, and he he actually has a, he's an author, he's a podcaster, he's he has a, a lot of stuff under um, his uh, LinkedIn area. One of the primary places of expertise is breaking in mules. He writes a and publishes Bear Hunting Magazine, and he primarily only uses mules for his bear hunts. And in order to do that, he has to work with mules. Mules are, have donkey in them and, and horse in them, so just to give you some context, it's a bit of the same type of animal a little bit, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna use his research in something that he does when trying to break that animal. It takes him four days just to touch the animal. Four days for him to walk up on a colt and put his hand on them and to, and to pet and to relax the animal enough for him to put a, a lasso or some sort around his neck. It will, take, it will take four hours. After the four days are up, it will take four hours for him to load that animal onto his trailer. You, there, you'll see him do everything he can to pull him up to the front and pull him, but it'll take four hours just to get him to step onto, onto that ground. It'll take weeks of introducing it to different weather conditions. For its rain, wind, and snow, he will bring that animal out of the, the barn the best he can and tie, tie them to a, a secure point just to let them sit in the weather conditions for weeks. It will take him five to six weeks to begin the process of what he calls the process of desensitizing. This process is where you put on the saddle and then you add different things on the saddle to, to weigh it down to different weight distributions and different things on the side of the saddle. And then, then also the pen that, that that animal is in, he will move things around because he makes a strong point that these animals are terribly afraid of everything. They have anxiety of just the smallest little things. So disrupting their environment is important. He has to move things around. It will take him up to you know, six weeks just to get that animal to that place. Then he begins to place a saddle on top of him. And, and now he begins after the fifth or sixth week to begin to add stirrups. And, and then what he does with that stirrup, is that he doesn't fully mount, but he will just he will just gradually put his foot in that stirrup and kind of gradually put some weight on it, and take that will take days and days of him feeling the that comfort a little bit of it's going to be okay, and then finally he'll put his whole weight on the stirrups and just kind of lean over, not putting his leg over, not not fully mounting because that animal is so skittish and so fearful and, and afraid and it can do anything, and so he takes his time. He adds more weight. He adds different things in the pen. 
he begins to put a barrel in there and he begins to walk the, 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 the animal in a circle and, 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 and he puts the, the barrel to a certain kind of degree from the, from the fence of the pen and that animal will skirt that little small spot just to get around that barrel and he, he practices that for hours and hours and days and then finally he pushes that barrel where there is no room to get around it just to get that animal to jump over that obstacle. Do that for weeks and weeks on end. Once he's fully now, he finally, he finally will fully mount the animal. And he will get off and on. That's the thing. It's not just getting on. Now he has to get off. Then he gets on, then he gets off. And he does this for hours and days. And lastly, he will slowly prompt the animal to walk. This process takes even more time. Clay Newcomb makes the point that it t can take years before the animal is considered completely finished. Why is this so important? Because the cult that Christ rode into Calvary had to be broken. Let me say it this way. Hear me when I say it this way. Jesus cannot connect you to Calvary until you become broken. You'll never go down the road to Calvary unless you're broken. Brokenness is being submitted to his will. Brokenness is saying, I'm going to be obedient to your reins. You don't fight the bit in your mouth when you're broken in the hands of Jesus. You don't fight the leading of his spirit. And you don't fight the direction and the order of his steps when you're broken. His voice brings peace to you in your path when you're broken. We all look at Palm Sunday and we're wowed by the extent the people took by laying down their garments and cutting down branches in the path of Jesus. But we need to be impressed by a cult that never have been ridden by a man to navigate the way of branches and screaming patrons on the roadside to Calvary. That took real brokenness to take a cult that's never been ridden in, in one moment break him let me get a volunteer I need a I need a cult volunteer let me see I'm going to ask Petros you're going to be my cult today you stubborn cult I want you to understand something so important this is this is huge um, if you put that next scripture Mark 11 believe it's verse 7 look what they did they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him and he sat on him if I get brother Mattman if I get brother Byer come up here really quick take off your jacket for a second just take your coat off no bring it up here bring your coat up here I need it this is what they did the apostles of Jesus came and cast their garments on him. And this garment became a saddle. All right? This garment became a saddle for Jesus to ride. Why is that so important? It's because this. Some of you, some of us, I'm going to say you. Some of you are like, Pastor, you, you are riding me too much. 
<laughs> you're on my back too much. Right. And when I text you and I'm like, hey, I missed you at service, or hey, uh, I, 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 uh, how you doing? How you being? Uh, you're right. I'm, I, what you know what I'm doing? I'm casting my garment on you. Mm-hmm. Why? What's so important about a saddle? A saddle does three things. It it secures the rider. Mm-hmm. It brings security to the rider and it controls helps control the rider I'm sorry the animal those are the three things that a saddle will do and that's exactly what the pastor and the ministry does with their garment when they hit you up through a text is that they're trying to secure the rider on your life I'm I'm doing my best to secure Jesus to you. I'm trying my best to get you in a place where Jesus can control you. That's what a saddle does. That's what the garment of the ministry did. They put it on the back of the coat, a wild, crazy animal. (laughs) They did these things. Because they wanted to make sure you're secure. I mean, go to God. I already lost count. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Stick with me, Colt. <sighs> I want you to hear me today. Palm Sunday is a wonderful moment of worship and praise. But he doesn't get to Calvary unless he's broken. Some of you will ask this question here. Maybe I was the one asking this question. How how did a man like Jesus, how can take a cult in one moment and break him when it takes an expert like Clay Newcomb to do 60 plus days at a minimum? Here's, Here's how. You ever heard that statement? It takes one to know one. There's just something about that cult that trusted the brokenness of Jesus. Here's what I really want you to get. In the hands of Jesus, when you put your brokenness in the hands of Jesus, you're not broken, you're complete. Man. Man, I wish we can get that in our soul today. What am I trying to say to someone here who is wild and crazy and who doesn't want to submit to God and doesn't want to live in his authority and doesn't want to live in his goodness and doesn't want to take the road to Calvary? I'm trying to get you to say this. It's not about putting your deficiencies and, and your errors and your wrongs and, and, and into anything else but the hands of Jesus because there is no man like Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Clay Newcomb. You're a good dude. You're, you're, you got some expertise, but you're not Jesus. When you put your life in his hand, you are not just broken. You are complete. You are fulfilled. You're, you're, you're brought to a place where everything, your weaknesses, you've got a glory in them. Because where you're weak, he's made strong. Can you imagine that Jesus riding that colt? No one knew. No one understood. You know, everyone thought that colt was was broken in. (laughs) Everyone thought that. 
Sometimes that's the case with the church I deal with. Some of you, I thought you were broken in. <laughs> You're not. You're not broken in yet. What's the difference? You're, you're okay with being used for everything else. You're okay. The, that cult was used on the farm for things. That cult was used for labor and different things. Some of you are okay with serving. Some of you are, are love to, to help out in different ways, but you haven't got to true brokenness. True brokenness is when you put your hand in the hand of the broken that broken looks at you and takes on your infirmities takes on your addictions takes on your anxieties takes on your, uh, your unwillingness to commit but you commit that moment oh then the ministry comes and he begins they begin to saddle you and ready you and begin to put you in a position where God is secure on your life where God is in control of your life and God will will make sure that your life gets down the road to Calvary it's a wonderful thing to be broken thank you it's a wonderful thing to truly stop pretending. Stop pretending you got it together. Stop, stop, you're a cult. Stop pretending that you're a finished animal. Don't, don't. Yes, the worship and the praise is so beautiful on Palm Sunday, but I wish this Sunday would be just a little bit different. I wish some of us would truly come to a place of brokenness, truly to a place of submission and say, God, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Oh, Lord, it's me that needs to decrease and you that needs to increase. Oh, all you that are weary and heavy laden. Oh, I love this. Oh, oh, I love it. He's called it out to us. Oh, he does it all through the word of God. He does it so beautifully. He, he tells us to take my yoke upon you. It's easy. Why is it easy? Powerful message that I heard preached before. That in order to train oxen, young oxen in the yoke they yoked them with the old oxen first the old broken in oxen would share that yoke with a new oxen and that old that old ox would know where the path was would know how to bear certain things would know how to walk the walk and know how to do the work and that's why when Jesus tells us to take my yoke upon you it's not that you're doing the work it's that old ox that old ox of Christ he's doing the work he's the one showing you how to walk he's the one that's carrying the burden and the weight he's the one that's doing it today let's all stand some of you might be saying preacher you don't know my problems 
preacher, you don't know my, my background. You don't know where I come from. You don't know my struggles. You are right. I don't know, but I do know one who does. That's right. That's right. And they're as, they, they are as broken as they come. He can relate. He can relate to what abuse feels like. I want to ask you to do me a favor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you to please dwell on your struggle right now. It could be pornography. It could be... Uh, it could be a drug addiction. It could be a brokenness of a broken marriage. It could be, could be doubt. It could be anxiety, fear. I want you to, I want you to dwell on it right now. I want you to understand something about that thing that controls you. God took that thing already, put it on Himself, and died out to it. Died out to it. He, he's already died for your addiction. He's already died for your broken marriage. He's already died for, for that wrong in your life. He's already done that thing. But it's up to you to hand it over to the broken and become the broken with him. Oh my God. Jesus, bring me to Calvary. Bring me to Calvary. Help me not despise my leadership but to try to cover me with their, with their love and cover me, oh, with their identity and cover me, oh, with their outreach and lead me and secure me, oh, God. Oh, you're doing a work in me. My brokenness can happen in a moment. It doesn't have to be, oh, it doesn't have to be weeks before I get to a place where I'm truly broken before him. Come on, church. Find a altar. Find a altar. It could be up here at the front. It could be at your very seat. But, oh, come on, put your hands in Jesus. Put your reins in Jesus. Let him guide you. Let him bring you. Hallelujah. Let him cover you. Let him lead you. Oh, let him lead you to Calvary. Jesus. Break me, break me, break me. Break me. Hallelujah. Break me. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 